Amen. All right. So we are continuing in our Gospel of John series. We saw last week we started uh, John chapter 18, where uh, the Gospel of John takes this shift where, where Jesus is actually going to start heading towards the cross. And so last week in particular, we looked at the, rest, the arrest of Jesus in the middle of the night and this first kind of uh, interrogation that happened with Jesus. Today, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 18, and we're going to go into 19 a little bit, because we're going to be looking at this conversation that Jesus has with Pontius Pilate. And I want to remind us of what our goal is as we're going through this, and it's to look at Jesus. And I want to remind us that, but, uh, of that by reading a quote from Paul Miller. I read it last week, and I'll read it again this week. It will be on the screen. But this is what Paul Miller says about these parts in the Gospels where Jesus is walking towards the cross. He says this, During the last hours of Jesus' life, he's under a magnifying glass. It's the most concise, detailed, personal record that we have of anyone in antiquity. I I, I love that quote because it does a good job of showing us what my goal for us today is. is. If Jesus is under a magnifying glass, I want us to look through the magnifying glass. I want us to look at Jesus. If you remember last week, basically the whole sermon is we just said, hey, let's just look at Jesus. Let's just see what kind of person he is, who he is as he gets arrested, and let us get to know Jesus through this uh, story, true story of his arrest. And so today, I want us to continue that. I want us to look at Jesus through this incredible conversation that he has with Pontius Pilate, this Roman uh, governor, this Roman leader. And so that, that's the goal today. We want to look at Jesus. We want to see him for who he is. If we all walked away from here knowing Jesus more, I would be delighted. So here's, here's how we'll break that up today. Uh, we're going to look at how Jesus talks to Pilate. That would be the the vast majority of the sermon. We will just be looking at how Jesus talks to Pilate, how he has this conversation with Pilate. But then we're also going to look at how Jesus loves Pilate. And then we're also going to see what Jesus displays to Pilate. Okay? So that's what we're going to be doing today. Let's hop into it. We're in John chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 28. As kind of a reminder of where we're at, even though I've kind of already mentioned it, Jesus was arrested, like I already mentioned. He was interrogated, like I already mentioned and um, questioned. And now what the, what the Jewish leaders are doing is they're taking Jesus over to the Roman authorities. Okay, so let's start in verse 28 and see what's going on in this story. Then they, the, the Jewish leaders, led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Okay, let's stop there for a bit. So we have Pilate. 
He's this Roman governor. He oversees this region of Judea, Israel. This is a, a spicy, religious hotbed of controversy and issues, right? You've got issues in this region over all sorts of religious things and all sorts of peoples interacting with one another. You've got issues between the Jews and the Romans, the Romans and the Jews, the Jews and the Samaritans, the Samaritans and the Jews. You've got all kinds of stuff going on in this region, and Pilate is the guy overseeing it all. And these Jewish leaders just brought him a headache. Hey, there's this guy. We want you to kill him. Now listen, Pilate was probably a good enough leader to know about Jesus at this point. Jesus was pretty famous at this point. I'm sure that part of Pilate's job was to look into guys like Jesus. There was lots of guys kind of claiming to be like Jesus in that day. And so I'm sure when Jesus started to pop up and do his ministry, I'm sure Pilate looked into Jesus and knows all about Jesus, which is all the more reason why this is probably a headache for Pilate. He's probably going, I know about this guy already. If I wanted him dead, he'd be dead. You guys go kill him. Do, like, do whatever you want. But they specifically, they wanted Jesus to die on a cross. They wanted him crucified. They wanted him seen, seen as accursed by the people of God, by the Israelites. And so they go to Pilate. Because they want Jesus dead on a cross. And so Pilate, who doesn't really find Jesus worth killing, but also probably doesn't want a riot on his hands. And he probably also doesn't want on the off chance for Jesus to turn into one of these revolutionary figures. Pilate says, okay, I'll, I'll take him and I'll interrogate him. And so Pilate brings Jesus into his headquarters and he has this conversation with Jesus. And so here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to Go through this whole conversation. It's verses 33 through 38. And we're going to just look at this conversation that Pilate and Jesus have. We'll read it all the way through. And then I want us to break it down. And I want us to kind of go through that same conversation a little bit more slowly, like line by line, not because I'm, I'm trying to be some sort of a boring preacher, but because I think when we break it down and look at it line by line, we will see things about Jesus in this conversation that we haven't seen before, okay? So we're going to read the whole, whole conversation, and then we're going to break it down, all right? So let's hop into it. Verse 33 of chapter 18 says this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? All right. So, Pilate agrees to interrogate Jesus, to put him on some sort of a Roman tri trial, and so he brings Jesus into his headquarters, into the interrogation room or wherever it was. And he starts off, and he says, are you the king of the Jews? 
Listen, this, we have to know that Pilate, his tone at the very least was probably not sincere when he asked this question. He knows who the king of the Jews is. It's Herod. And here's what else he knows. He knows that when Caesar made Herod king of the Jews, it was just these political maneuverings and favors and different things happening politically and that Herod didn't really have a whole lot of real power. Pilate knew that Caesar was the real king, and Pilate knew that he was probably even more of a king of the Jews than Herod was. And so when he's asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews, we have to see that he's probably saying it in a tone that's exasperated, frustrated, annoyed, and he knows, or at least he thinks he knows, the answer to that question. Now, watch how Jesus responds to Pilate's question that maybe sounded sarcastic and cynical and stressed and frustrated and maybe not even really wanting an answer. Look how Jesus responds. He goes, are you asking? Or are you just asking because they told you to ask? Are you, are you asking? Are you sincerely asking, Pilate? Or are, or are you just asking because the, the religious leaders, they told you to say this to me? It's interesting. Jesus avoids answering Pilate's question. Pilate probably says in some sort of a cynical tone, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, okay, I'm not going to answer that question yet. And instead, what Jesus does is he moves toward Pilate's heart. Do you see that? He, he could have just said something. He could have just ignored Pilate's question. But instead, he goes, let's get down deep. Are you wondering if I'm the king of the Jews? Are you wondering? Or are you just saying it because they're telling you to say it? Jesus is moving towards Pilate's heart. Jesus didn't have to do that. Jesus could have ignored him. Jesus could have answered the question in some way. But he ignores the question and he says, You know what, Pilate? I want this to be a fruitful conversation, so I'm moving towards your heart. Are you wondering if I'm the king of the Jews? I have a sense that Jesus sensed something in Pilate that was wondering. Now, look what Pilate, how Pilate responds to Jesus very cruelly. Am I a Jew? I'm not a Jew, Jesus. I'm Roman. I don't care about all your guys' Jewish stuff. Your own people don't even want you. What have you done? They want to kill you, man. I imagine that if we had a longer version of this conversation, you'd say, can you just walk around society and not be a menace and not wake me up early this morning to deal with this? Why don't your own people like you? Why do your own people not want you? I don't care about your Jewish people's stuff. Jesus, or Pilate responds to Jesus' inquiry into Pilate's heart with a lot of cruelty, with a lot of meanness. I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I don't care about Jewish stuff. I don't care about you. You're, you're a problem. You're annoying. No one likes you. Now, as Jesus just asked Pilate a question, Pilate also did not answer Jesus' question. He uses this sort of meanness and cruelty and says these mean things to Jesus in order to avoid answering Jesus' direct question to him. Did you notice that? What do you think? Think in your head. What do you think that says about Pilate's answer here? How would you describe that? Does it sound a little defensive to you? 
Does it sound a little defensive? Right? Pilate could have said, I, don't, I know you're not the king. I'm just going through the process here. Like, I'm just trying to put you through this trial they want me to put you through so they don't start a riot. I know you're not a king. But instead, he go, he, he's like, I'm going to be really cruel to Jesus. I'm going to say something really cruel, almost as if to deflect Jesus away from seeing into what's really going on into Pilate's heart. That Pilate does wonder if Jesus is some sort of king of the Jews. Right? He's defensive. He's really defensive. He kind of reminds me of when, another ki- when one kid tells another kid, hey, Timmy, I think you have a crush on Rebecca. And then Timmy goes, I don't like Rebecca. Rebecca's ugly, right? Like, it's just like, okay, hey, hey, just say no. Just, you don't have to call her ugly, all right? And, dude, we know you like her, so we know you think she's beautiful, right? Like, it just reminds me of a kid in that moment. This is what Pilate's doing. He's going, no way am I wondering. No one wants you. You're the worst, Jesus, right? Pilate's defensive. Now, watch in verse 36. What Jesus does with Pilate's defensiveness. I'm going to reread verse 36 right here so I don't mess it up. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Okay, the last thing Pilate said to Jesus before Jesus says this is, What have you done? Why are they so annoyed by you? But Jesus doesn't answer that question either. What question does, it just, does Jesus answer here? The first question. Pilate goes, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus goes, are you really asking? Moving towards Pilate's heart. Pilate is cruel towards Jesus. Asks Jesus a different question to humiliate Jesus. And Jesus all of a sudden realizes that defensiveness, that cruelty is giving him a glimpse into Pilate's heart that he actually does wonder if Jesus is some sort of king of the Jews. And so Jesus answers Pilate's first question. My kingdom's not of this world. It's almost like Jesus is saying, listen, the way you think of a king and a kingdom? No. The way they think of a king and a kingdom? No. But I, I am a king. My kingdom is not from this world. If, my world. if my kingdom was this sort of earthly kingdom, listen, you know it, man. There would be people out of the woodworks trying to free me and fight these guys. That's not the case. But I am a king. It's just not the sort of king that you're thinking of, and it's not the sort of king that they're thinking of. Jesus moves again closer to Pilate's heart. He ignores Pilate's animosity and cruelty, and he answers what Pilate somewhere deep down was wondering. Yeah, I, I have a kingdom, but it's not quite how any of you guys are thinking through it. So Pilate can't help but being Pilate, and his response to that is, aha, so you are a king, right? I don't know what the Greek is for aha, but I bet it's in there somewhere, Right? I'm sure that Pilate just was like, ah, see, you are a king. Back to question one. Which again, if Pilate was just kind of just trying to go through the motions, why does he even want to say aha here? Why does he even care here? It's because Pilate does actually care and does actually wonder if Jesus is some sort of king. Pilate's heard about Jesus. He's heard about these miracles. He's heard about these mysterious things. He probably has some level of curiosity about Jesus. And so Pilate goes, aha, so you are a king. 
And Jesus, uh, he says something here in the ESV that you're, you're kind of like you're a lot of uh, people that are anti the Bible or anti Jesus. They might say, hey, look, see, Jesus never claimed to be a king. But honestly, in the Greek, it's a little bit more affirmative than that. And you'll see in different English translations, Jesus says, instead of you say that I'm a king, Jesus might say like, yes, I'm a king. But it seems like kind of what Jesus is saying, like, Yes, I'm a king, but again, not the sort of king you're thinking of, Pilate, and not the sort of king they're thinking of. And then, Jesus says this thing about truth. And I, I wonder if by the power of the Spirit, Jesus has a clue into Pilate's heart and what's going on in him and the things he wonders about, because Jesus just goes, hey, Here's the sort of king that I am, essentially, is how Jesus is saying this to Pilate. I'm the sort of king that brings truth. I'm the sort of king that brings reality. That's the sort of king I am. I bring truth. And here's the sort of kingdom I have. The people that just listen to my voice and are intrigued by my voice and follow my voice, they're part of my kingdom. They're part of this truth kingdom. And Pilate then responds to that again in a deflective way, saying, what is truth? Now, I've had a lot of friends that have asked the same thing. They go, what is truth? And a lot of times I've noticed, especially with evangelicals, when someone kind of asks that question, we kind of go, oh, they just hate God and they're anti-Bible and they don't care about truth. But actually what I've noticed with my friends who ask that question, what is truth, a lot of times is they deeply care about what the truth is. They're just not sure what it is. And they would love to know what the truth is. And in fact, a lot of my friends who ask that question in that sort of cynical-sounding way, a lot of times they have done deep dives into trying to figure out what truth is. And so I think that's probably what Pilate's doing here too. And I think Jesus knew that Pilate had wondered about what real truth is. Pilate is at the top of his game, game essentially, right? He's powerful. He's a, a Roman ruler. And I just wonder if getting to those heights made him begin to go, what is real? What is true? As he watched different Roman officials use different things in different ways to manipulate people, he's going, what even is true? Jesus moves again towards Pilate's heart, intriguing Pilate with the truth. And then also notice Jesus says, hey, those that listen to the truth, they're part of my kingdom. I imagine this maybe started to freak Pilate out a little bit because he's going, oh, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. So Pilate goes, what is truth? To deflect what Jesus is saying, and then he goes back outside to the religious leaders. When he goes back outside, he's sitting on his judgment seat. And he's just talking to the religious leaders, and, and he, he talks about this scenario with this Barabbas character, and we're going to go deep into that next week, uh, but we're going to kind of pass over it right now. But he's trying to figure out, hey, can I release to you this other guy, Barabbas, or can I release to you Jesus? I, I'm not finding that Jesus has done anything wrong. I, 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 I don't want to kill him. Can I just release to you Jesus? And, and they're like, no, we want Barabbas. And in the midst of this kind of conversation where Pilate is just trying to get out of this situation with these Jewish religious leaders and Jesus, Matthew 27, 19 says something that had to be spooky for Pilate. Look at what Matthew 27 says as he's sitting there. Uh, besides, while Pilate 
was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I've suffered much because of him today in a dream. Okay. (laughs) So Pilate agrees to take on this interrogation of this spiritual figure, this religious figure, Jesus, this Christ figure, this Messiah figure, this supposed king figure, Jesus. He has this in-depth conversation with Jesus where he's cruel towards Jesus and he ends the conversation by moving physically away from Jesus as Jesus was moving towards his heart. And Pilate's sitting there physically away from Jesus and then what happens? His wife sends him a note. Have nothing to do with Jesus. I've had a crazy, I've had a horrible dream. I'm, I'm like in anguish because of this dream I had about Jesus today. Stop whatever you're doing. As Pilate physically moves away from Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, moves toward Pilate by giving Pilate's wife, probably a person he trusts, a dream about Jesus. Jesus is continually moving toward Pilate no matter what Pilate does. Pilate moves away from Jesus, and he sends a dream to his wife. Right? The text doesn't explicitly say that the Holy Spirit did this, but come on. The Holy Spirit did this. (laughs) So Pilate, though, I think he probably does what I would do in that situation and and just really kind of rationalize it and naturalize it, and he just goes, listen, she she knew I was going out to deal with this whole Jesus situation. She just had a bad dream, and she was just thinking about the last thing I told her before I went for work. There's nothing spiritual about this dream. Because then Pilate, he he sends Jesus uh, to get flogged, to get whipped, near to death. Pilate's hope here, it seems, is like, hey, maybe if I just whip him real bad, if I just flog him, these religious leaders will get off my back. They don't get off his back when they see Jesus even flogged and mangled that way. Look at how they react in verses 6 through 8, and they say something else that does something to Pilate. Verse 6 of chapter 19 says this. When the chief priests and the officers saw Jesus, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he's made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, He was even more afraid. Let's stop here. Something's happening in Pilate's heart. Jesus moves towards him in this conversation where Jesus just holds all this poise and calmness, even though uh, Pilate himself is flailing about verbally. He moves away from Jesus. And... uh, (laughs) A dream comes to his wife. The people still want Jesus dead after he's, been cru- after he's been flogged. And they go, let's give you another reason, Pilate. Here's why we want to kill him. This guy's been claiming to be the son of God. A lot of different Roman leaders would have just said, I don't care. Whatever. He's not. But it says here 
that Pilate got even more afraid. Jesus, moving towards Pilate in this conversation, is starting to freak Pilate out. Because now he's heard what the religious leaders are claiming that Jesus claimed about himself. And he's hearing that he's claimed that he's been some sort of son of God. Pilate is starting to get freaked out. He's starting to go, am I part of something spiritually significant here that's out of my pay grade? Right? Romans had all sorts of religious and spiritual beliefs. Maybe he began to go, am I about to kill some sort of half-man, half-God? Pilate's freaked out. Look what he does in verse 9. He runs back in to talk to Jesus. It says this, he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. I can't help but think that when Pilate goes into these headquarters to question Jesus for a second time, there had to be a quiver in his voice. It just said he was afraid. I just imagine Pilate just saying, where are you from? Not the, not the anger, not the animosity that he had there, but just pure fear. Where are you from? And then Jesus is silent. Now, some might take that to say Jesus is just done with Pilate or Jesus is ignoring him or, or whatever it might be. But I think Jesus is a good rabbi and he's a good teacher. And I think he's using the silence here to have Pilate put the pieces together in his head. To piece it all together. To let the wheels turn. He's letting this silence happen. Almost as if to say to Pilate, listen man, my birth certificate, it might say Bethlehem. My hometown might be Nazareth. That's not really where I'm from. He just told Pilate, my kingdom's not from this world. He wants Pilate to put these pieces together. And so he's silent. No. So Pilate falls back into his Pilate ways in verse 10 as Jesus is trying to get him to piece it together. And probably because Pilate is piecing it together. Pilate falls back into his Pilate ways, as we've seen him do. Verse 10, so Pilate said to him, You're, you, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I, ha I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Pilate's freaking out. Falls back into his Pilate ways, using power, using his voice, using his dominating self to try to get Jesus to do what he wants him to do. And in this instance, he just wants Jesus to be like, yeah, I'm just a man. Or he wants Jesus to be like, yeah, you should release me. Pilate's going, listen, dude, I can kill you. Or I can let you go. Just say the right things right now, please. And then watch how Jesus responds to Pilate in verse 11. Jesus answered him, hey, you'd have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Okay, so let's, let's unpack and look at what Jesus did right here. Jesus, Pilate is freaking out. He's afraid. He's heard that Jesus maybe is the son of God, and he's wondering, am I, am I in, about to endeavor in some sort of spiritually significant situation here? He's freaking out. He's trying to get Jesus to talk and say the right things so Jesus could get out of that situation. Pilate feels like, man, at me, Pilate, as the authority, I'm doing something wrong here, and I'm going to be judged by some God somewhere because of this. 
And Jesus says two things to comfort Pilate. The first thing that Jesus says to Pilate in the midst of his cruelty and fear is, listen, hey man, I know you think you're the authority here. I know you think you're the one that's, that's controlling this situation, and so you'll be judged more strictly because of it. But my, my father is the real, real one in authority. I, I almost think Jesus could have said, I'm the real king here, Pilate. This is unfolding the way I want it to unfold. And then Pilate, who is anxiety-ridden and probably beginning to feel guilt-ridden about killing an innocent man, right? Throughout the text, we see that Pilate thinks Jesus is innocent. He's feeling guilty about what he's about to do. And Jesus says something he didn't have to say to Pilate, but would comfort Pilate. Jesus says this, Listen, man, the people that handed me over to you, they committed the greater sin. They committed the greater sin, almost as if to say, Pilate, do what you got to do. Sentence me to death. These people that handed me over to you, they're the ones that are really going to get judged. Jesus didn't need to say this to Pilate. Jesus didn't need to say anything to Pilate. Pilate's been cruel. Pilate's been having a tantrum. Jesus didn't need to say any of this, and yet Jesus wants to comfort Pilate? who's had Jesus flogged? Who is our God? Who is Jesus? That he's even willing to comfort his executioner in a sense. So this this conversation with Pilate, it's just that Jesus has with Pilate, it's, it's just incredible to me. Because I think in it, we get to see Jesus. And until a few years ago, as I started to look into some of Paul Miller's stuff on, on looking at Jesus, this author that I've been quoting, I, I realized that this story, this passage, this conversation between Pilate and Jesus, it was just something I would gloss over. I would just kind of read through with one kind of mindset, like, ah, oh, Pilate's the worst. And that's the only kind of way I would read through it. And I missed And I didn't see how Jesus was moving towards Pilate throughout the whole conversation. And so normally when I preach a sermon like this and I go, hey, uh, let's just look at Jesus. Let's just look at this. uh, Like, let's just look at him. I'm I'm normally fine just going, hey, go home and just think about it. Right? But I kind of want to flesh this out a little bit more because this conversation helps to see how Jesus loves Pilate. And it also helps us to see what Jesus is displaying to Pilate. And I think looking at both of those things for us will do something good in our hearts that will cause us to worship God. Okay? So let's start by looking at how, let's review how Jesus has loved Pilate in this conversation. Right? This whole conversation, we could describe Pilate as having a tantrum or being cruel and trying to pass the buck while being cruel. And all throughout the conversation, Jesus doesn't stop moving towards Pilate's heart. Do you see that? He doesn't stop moving towards Pilate. He wants Pilate to believe. The Gospel of John says that John wrote this so that we would believe in Jesus. And we watch Jesus trying to get someone of a different ethnicity and religion 
to believe that he's king. He wants Pilate to believe, and so he continues to move toward Pilate's heart all throughout this conversation. So that's the first way we see Jesus loved Pilate. Love moves toward. Okay, When you think of love moving toward, you might go, that's kind of confusing. Think of a friend who's hurting. Think of a little kid who got physically hurt. What your, re- your reaction in those situations isn't to back away. Your, your reaction in those situations is to move toward. Your friend is crying, you put your arm around them. You sit closer. You look them in the eye. You might even cry with them. A kid gets hurt, you, you kneel down low and help pick them up. Love moves toward, and Jesus does this all throughout this conversation with Pilate. Pilate, he does actually wonder if Jesus is a king. And so Jesus tells him, yes, I am a king. But he also does it in this wise way to help Pilate see that Pilate's framework for being king is not the sort of king that Jesus is. He's a different, altogether transcendent sort of king. Pilate wonders about truth. Jesus intrigues Pilate with the truth. Pilate rejects Jesus' truth. So Jesus' spirit, which is what Acts calls the Holy Spirit at least once, sends his wife a dream. Pilate is scared about whatever spiritually significant event is about to happen, and Jesus chooses not to ignore Pilate, but to comfort Pilate. To comfort Pilate, letting Pilate know, hey man, this is unfolding the way I want it to unfold. And and you don't have to be so guilt-ridden. The people that handed me over to you, they're the ones that are really going to get judged for this. Jesus, on his way to death, and being treated cruelly by his own people, and by Pilate, and being flogged, can't help but love Pilate. Jesus can't help but have a calm, steady, poised, teaching conversation with Pilate. Listen, if Jesus went off on Pilate in in this conversation, I would say, well, yeah, he had some validity here. But that's not what Jesus does. He stays calm and he speaks to Pilate gently. And he bears Pilate's cruelty. And he comforts Pilate's anxiety. Again, who is our God? Who is Jesus? He's someone that loves Pilate. Despite Pilate's best efforts. Jesus loves Pilate. Don't miss that. And don't miss how Jesus loves Pilate in this conversation. But I also don't want us to leave this passage without seeing what Jesus displays to Pilate in this conversation because Jesus displays something that I think is really significant for us. And I don't want us to gloss over that either. And it's this, that Jesus is a a better king than any earthly king. It can be easy for me to miss that. But Jesus is displaying to Pilate that Jesus is a better king than any earthly king. Let's begin to see how that's true. 
Earthly kings in Pilate's day, they used power and force and killing and murder and oppression and torture to establish their kingdom. But that's not how Jesus establishes his kingdom. All Jesus does to establish his kingdom is he invites people into it. He tells people the characteristics of his kingdom. He restores the world in a way so people can see what his kingdom will look like with a restored creation and a restored humanity. And people are drawn into his kingdom and they are gripped by gratitude, not by a gun or a sword. Jesus, as a king, promises less than any earthly king, and he he achieves more than any earthly king. Earthly kingdoms, they often tend to die out when those kings die, or they start to crumble when those powerful kings die. Jesus' kingdom actually is raised up as he dies. Jesus' kingdom is more firmly established as he takes on all the death and the cruelty and the torture and the murder of this world. His kingdom gets firmly established. Jesus is a king unlike any earthly king, and he displays this to Pilate. And because John wrote it down so we would believe, he's displaying it to us as well. Today, either Jesus is displaying to you the sort of king he is for the first time, or he's reminding you of the sort of king that he is for the millionth time. Either way, you are being invited to walk under his rule and his reign and to abandon whatever earthly kings you're following. Most of us, day in, day out, follow earthly kings. Mine's named Anthony. Jesus displays a sort of kingship that says, Anthony, abandon yourself as king and follow me as king. And he's inviting you into that as well. Today, Look at how Jesus talked to Pilate. Look at how Jesus loved Pilate. Look at how Jesus displayed himself as a king to Pilate. And let it change you. Because I think it changed Pilate. I really do. In history, we actually we don't know what happened to Pilate. In history, we don't know. As I've done what little research... I did on Pilate. Some uh, historical traditions say that Pilate was executed by Caligula. Some say he was exiled. There seems to be a a good amount that think for some reason Pilate was exiled. So that's like when you take someone that's part of your kingdom and say, hey, we're not going to kill you, but you can't be a citizen here anymore, so leave. And then I saw this historical tradition that was very intriguing to me, and it comes from the Ethiopian church. And in the Ethiopian church, their tradition says Pilate became a Christian. Which which fits if Pilate was exiled. That he finds himself in Ethiopia outside of Rome. I think Pilate could never shake how Jesus treated him that day. 
Pilate was guilt-ridden. He was anxious. He was cruel. And he couldn't shake that Jesus stayed poised and calm and loving and moved towards Pilate's heart and knew things about Pilate's heart that Pilate didn't want Jesus to know. I can only imagine that as Pilate stayed governor and he heard the reports of what happens around Jesus' death, I could, I could only imagine that freaked Pilate out even more. I can only imagine that as Christianity began to grow and Pilate was hearing all these stories about a different sort of kingdom that people were being invited to, I could just imagine that that freaked out Pilate more, but maybe it even started to intrigue him more. And maybe Pilate got to this breaking point where he just could not shake the fact that Jesus' last words to him as Pilate was sentencing him to death after being cruel to him was, were words of comfort. Pilate, or Jesus tried to comfort Jesus, comfort Pilate in his last words. I don't think Pilate ever shook that. And I think as he watched God's kingdom begin to unfold, he eventually said, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be part of this kingdom. And he was exiled for it. And he found himself in Ethiopia with a bunch of Christians who said, we'll carry your story. We'll remember it. I don't know how else we get such a detailed account of Pilate's inner emotions and this conversation that he has with Jesus. We don't know for sure what happened to Pilate, but I feel pretty sure that he became a Christian. We don't know what Pilate did with Jesus' love and his kingship, but the question really is, what are you going to do with Jesus' love and his kingship? What are you going to do with his love? What are you going to do with his transcendent kingship? May we be changed by Jesus' love, and may we be changed by the fact that he is king over all of us. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this conversation that Jesus had with Pilate. I, I am astounded that you moved towards Pilate in his cruelty, that you moved towards Pilate in his defensiveness. You moved towards Pilate in his moments of being very unkind to Jesus, your son. Thank you that we got to see this, God. Thank you for showing this to us. Thank you for revealing who you are to us. God, here's my prayer. I pray that each and every one of us would see your love. And we would respond to it. God, my other prayer is that we would see that you are the king, unlike any other king, and that we should enter your kingdom. That you're inviting us in. And that we should submit to your reign and your rule. We should surrender our lives to you in your ways. God, encourage us this morning. Encourage us with your love. Encourage us with your kingdom. Encourage us with the fact that you're king. Do work in us, God. We love you and we need you. Holy Spirit, I don't, I'm, I don't know what you're wanting to do this morning, but I ask that you do it powerfully and I ask that nothing in us quenches your work.
We love you, Lord. May we respond to your love for us. Amen.